just a Broadway baby Walking off my tired feet Pounding 42nd Street to be in a show Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Josh. Welcome to the Gleeful Podcast with Josh, Jen, and Ed. You can find us online at Gleeful Podcast on Twitter at Gleeful Podcast. I'm at Josh Bernal. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. Jennifer. Joshua. We have two episodes to discuss tonight, Bash and Tested. Yep. We apologize for last week. We were unable to record last week because apparently, Ed, you cracked your tooth. Yes, I did. <gasps> what did you do? Well, oh wait, I heard you cracked your tooth while sell. You were saving a really cute twink from getting hit by a bus, no. and and you it, 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 you saved his life. So it was totally that made it okay, right? No, it just, no. Uh, um, years ago, well, not years ago. Well, I guess yeah, now it's years ago. Years ago, a filling fell out. I didn't have insurance at the time, and then I uh, then I was eating some candy a few months ago. It cracked and then it got infected and now, but now I have insurance, so gonna go get a bridge. <laughs> oh, there you go. Tomorrow. It's gonna be it's gonna be super exciting. <laughs> Love. I'm sure everyone loves the the um the insight into the the psyche of Ed right there. We we should have done the the show tomorrow night then when you'd be all numb and I'd be like Ed, how are you? You'd be like Oh God, it's a good episode. Right. <laughs> I once swam with a numb mouth that is no fun. Oh, God, I'd be afraid of drowning. (laughs) Well, I didn't drown. Well, no, obviously, but I would be so fearful of swimming with a numb mouth because you can't feel anything and water could be seeping in. (laughs) And it it did. It didn't. Yeah, because you don't know that your mouth is closed or not when it's really numb. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, well, welcome back, everyone. Jennifer, how are you this evening? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, pretty busy. We've got all kinds of stuff going on, uh, but uh, but we did find time to do the show, and um, it's been a. These are two solid episodes. These are going to be two episodes oh, see, that are good to talk nervous. about. Because because when I messaged Josh about when I was like, Josh, I actually really enjoyed these episodes, and he's like, <laughs> like. like and then you responded to something like really sarcastic, like that's exciting. That's exciting for you. I'm like, oh god, oh god. Yeah. No, no, no. You said I'm, gl- or I said I'm glad. I'm glad you okay. enjoy it. I'm glad you were excited about the episode. I was like, oh god, something. <laughs> Josh, no bueno, does not approve. <laughs> no, um. Well, well. Here, let's just get right into it because we have two episodes to talk about, and so uh, we won't be able to give either of them their entire due. But at some point, uh, maybe next week, when we have a little more time, we should really kind of talk about what the show is now uh, with New York and how much it's changed and some of the good things and bad things. But at least tonight, let's start with Bash. Uh, Bash being an episode um, with with uh, that kind of started or ended with some violence. Violence came about halfway through. Uh, and uh, I'll throw it over to you, Jennifer. What was your temperature on the episode Bash? I thought it was pretty good. Um, I, I liked some of the elements of it more than others 
Um, I liked that they were still trying to take on, you know, serious social issues and not just, um, you know, pretend that stuff doesn't happen. Um, but all in all, I liked it. I, I guess I don't know as much of, uh, Sondheim's music as I thought I did, Mm. or at least not the, I wasn't as familiar with these songs. So as far as the music went, it was a little, uh, you know, it was harder for me to appreciate because I wasn't so familiar with them. Yeah, and, and that's something we can def- we or, uh, we can bring up right off the bat. Uh, you know, it, since they've come to New York, these last four episodes, they've had really interesting musical themes. They've been totally unstated. But if you think about it, like the first week, it was all songs about New York. The next week, they had all these '90s slow jams. Uh, in Bash, it was all Sondheim music, and then in Tested, uh, it's all '80s songs, particularly like '80s rock ballads. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it's it's interesting that they're using some pretty strict themes in their musical selections without actually coming out and saying them. Uh, Ed, what did you think of Bash? I I liked it. It was it was very it, you know the whole the both episodes. It it's really great that the complaints not the complaints but the the observations that we made about. New York not having any depth to the storyline because of its limited time it is giving it especially with tested it's like like this is this is the claim like discussion that I've been literally crying for since season three so <laughs> like like it's just the it's conversation just like so in cool. bash or the conversation in tested I was the, talking in tested oh, okay the, the claim, yeah like that's literally the although but that but there, the what's funny about the whole thing is, it feels very real. Like it's actually like these are where these characters were at at the time that we swept over to New York, and we basically knew their motivations, and they actually just went with their motivations and created a storyline out of it. Yeah, it's a, I was thinking about this the other day that like they these last four episodes and particularly bash and tested the, the plot lines we're addressing right now are really specific and they're new and they're about like uh, being at a certain time in your life and being of a certain age and the challenges that come with that. Um, and it really made me feel like, you know, the last two seasons they'd kind of told every high school story you could tell to the point where we were doing prom a second time and graduation a second time. And mm. what are you going to do with your life and who are you going to be when you grow up? Um, and we've kind of established those things and we're on to new and interesting topics. It's kind of funny how much time they spend sitting in like coffee shops and things uh, because they don't have one of the things about high school is you do spend so much time just sitting around <laughs> So they kind of that they don't have like those recurring locations like the choir room, but uh, but no, this I mean I found I I really enjoyed Bash. Uh, I thought it was a, a really solid episode, and uh, and yeah, I mean the my only complaint with it is it seemed like the kind of gay bashing storyline came really late in the episode. It comes about like almost exactly halfway through the episode and it's a really stark turn so late in the episode when they finally get to that plot line. It it felt a little abrupt because everything leading up to that was pretty frivolous. Uh, Well, I actually just rewatched it mm -hmm. um, and the very first song is them going to the memorial for their neighbor's friend who mm-hmm. was beat up and now in a coma and his 
um, condition was uncertain. And then right before Kurt actually jumps in and, and gets injured, he and Rachel have a pretty heady fight um, about whether or not she should stay into school. And so um, I'm not seeing the frivolous light part. I understand. I understand. And and Jennifer, what did you think about the whole gay bashing storyline uh, within the context of Glee as well? This is... Uh, it's been a while since we had anything really this heavy in the show. Yeah, and I think they, I mean, to me, I think it was handled as as quickly as Glee likes to wrap up any sort of uncomfortable situation. <laughs> I think they, I think they did do that, but I think they also, um, you know, the conversation between Kurt and Bert was just amazing again, and I think it, uh, I think it said the things I said. I think it said the right things about the situation. Yeah, that's, it's an interesting point. I mean, it's, it was a little sappy with the, you know, I know who I am now. I know that I'm your son. Yeah. Uh, But, but it was so sweet. Once again, it's like two great actors delivering lines that are a little sappy, but delivering it with such genuine earnestness. It's, It's hard not to be infected by it. That scene was pretty perfect. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's distracting. Well, you even said the first time you watch it, you're like, it's so distracting when you see somebody come on this show who's a really good actor. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, oh, oh, wait. Okay, that's that's something that's missing a lot of the time. And when did he become a good actor? Because like you and I, being uh, old people, we've seen you. that guy thank you for around. That out. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've seen awesome. that dude. I remember when he was the host of Guts, which was American Gladiators with kids. I don't remember that. It was so goofy. He still had his, his New England accent. He still had his thick Boston accent. And he was like a sports, he was a host on a children's game show. Mm-hmm. And sometime in the last like 10 years he became a real because he certainly wasn't acting on yes dear well (laughs) he's really become fantastic in the last few years and that you know that only wrapped what like seven years ago yes dear oh gosh i'd be i would think it wrapped five okay so it ran forever it was one of those shows that just kept running it was like according to jim and it was one of those guys (laughs) that like i knew of in the 90s maybe just maybe because i was still in boston but i remember we went to the um it was in Central Square, TT the Bears, to see Buffalo Tom and uh, Michael Malley come out to introduce them. And he was—he had just had—they um, were just about to run the pilot of his his show. That I don't remember the name of it, but it Life with Mike or According to Mike or he had he had his t- he, oh he had his own show yeah he oh, had his wow. own show in the um, the late nineties didn't last long. I think it, I think it ran like four episodes. But um, anyhow, I just remember seeing him and I was like. I like this guy. I see him all the time, but I don't really know who he is. And it was so cool to see him live. And he was really <laughs> excited. And he knew, he knew, all, like he knew um, Bill Janowitz and all those guys from the band. <laughs> I just remember a couple years ago, I had an interview with him, and the guy says, uh, "Man, you are in everything right now." And he goes, "Man, I'm just happy to work in this economy." <laughs> <laughs> like that is so Boston. Uh, so Ed, what did you think of uh, Kurt in this episode and the drama surrounding uh, his gay bashing? I feel like I need to. I didn't rewatch Bash, and I, I thought <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't a hundred percent prepared for this. Um, I, for some reason, it didn't like. I knew it was a big deal, but 
I didn't, it wasn't like the focus of the episode. Like for me, like the big take home message was of the episode was Rachel, Rachel's storyline. So like, mm. like, oh yes, that, that Kurt stuff happened. I don't know. I, and then like, and then you top it off with the, with the tested stuff for Kurt. It's like so much happened with Kurt that it was good that they, it was good that they addressed it. I'm glad it wasn't overwhelming, but I don't like, I don't know if it was as important as it could have been. Because I didn't, like, take home that message. I'm like, I thought they threw out some nice statistics and, you know, I, I like a good chart. There, there was a bit of a St. Kurt. I agree with you to a point. It wasn't so much. I didn't feel like. Bec- um, well, let me start over. Uh, <laughs> like yeah. the, the school shooting episode, like that was five minutes of intro and then like a really long school shooting and then five minutes of the end of the episode like when you think of the school shooting episode you think of like that happening and how it affected everyone and like it was an episode about a school shooting and how hard that is this episode i i agree with you the the one struggle i had was this wasn't an episode about a gay bashing it was an episode about uh uh it was an episode about rachel quitting school and it was an episode about mercedes and sam getting back together and then there was another story yeah, exactly. about Kurt. Like, and because was, of that I agree with you it didn't really like drive home it didn't really have a had the time to make a statement about the event or really to like make you know to say anything well in terms of in terms of impactful things from this episode it was the Mercedes Sam storyline it was the Rachel storyline those were the things that actually have precedence within the realm of glee going forward like yeah and that's that's a good point too like the gay bashing certainly didn't develop that story like we don't have to ever mention that again it didn't change their lives like you actually i kind of forgot about it like oh yeah that did happen he was in the hospital i forgot but on the other hand i mean i did feel that it was really well written and i thought it was kind of i don't think you know for a show that doesn't do violence very often i found it to be pretty brave i did it it was just a somewhat lazily tacked on storyline mm. and and that's what and didn't it, didn't, it wasn't like character motivated which is another issue that's a, it, it yeah it was kind of out of nowhere and it wasn't character affecting either so it wasn't character motivated it wasn't character affected it was just it was just like we should address this at some point and that was <laughs> that was all it was well, let's uh, take a listen to Not While I'm Around. This was actually the Sondheim episode, if you're a big nerd uh, like me. You know, uh, Broadway Baby, which we opened our show with, was from Follies. Uh, this is Not While I'm Around from Sweeney Todd. Uh, and it is performed by Darren Chris here on the Gleeful Podcast. Demons are prowling everywhere nowadays. Send them howling I don't care I've got ways No one's gonna hurt you No one's gonna dare Others can desert you Not to worry, whistle, I'll be Demons will charm you with a smile for a while, but in time, nothing. 
nothing can harm you not while I'm so when this song's in Sweeney Todd it's like really heartbreaking and, and and soft and tender but when they perform it in this arrangement it sounds like that Diana Ross song was that Diana Ross song she did for like the soundtrack of a cheesy movie in the 80s when you tell me that you love me what I'm just kidding no <laughs> <laughs> like, what was it oh it's it's totally killing me but it's on like the tip of my tongue they did it on idol years ago they did it on idol i think it was like a diana ross week or something and well, somebody covered songs. it I'll have, to, I'll have to i'll see if i can find it online but so when the, in this arrangement i'm like this is not tender and and simple at all it's kind of cheesy but it was it was better in the show i thought when it opened uh acapella and uh you know it, it, it was heavy. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Rachel. In this episode, Rachel dropped out of Niata because it became too much work, or she said it became too much work, um, and uh, and that she was penalized for performing her credit critique with another person as opposed to uh, performing it alone, as she was instructed. Jennifer, how did you feel about Rachel in this episode? Again, I'm kind of over the, you know, the diva diva outbursts and then having to be reined back in um in this one but the, but but the, but this one there was real there was real consequences they were there and was, i and i do get was, that as I said, yeah it was like three syllables <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna use that now consequences um in <laughs> in this one i get i mean we've been we've been saying for i don't know how long a year now that there's no way that this, you know, 19 or 20 year old person can have a full time job or well, have even a part time job, have a job, be in a show and be going to classes and also be in a band and all this stuff. I mean, you know, like, like, let's not forget that uh, Blaine listed being in Pamela Lansbury as one of Kurt's accomplishments. Yes. Let's not forget. <laughs> yes. Let's well, us forget. I was hoping it was the new incarnation of the band with just um, Elliot and Danny. Like, I was hoping that's what he <laughs> meant. I, don't, I think they're dead. Yeah. They're dead to God. Go. Uh, yeah, I don't think they Super even dead. live in New York anymore. But, I mean, I... I, I I'm, kind of, I'm not surprised they, they, they it got to this point. Um... And I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll actually see the consequences of her having left school because you you can't have a teacher, or, you know, the administrator say, you're not ready. You don't have the discipline. You don't have all the training you think you have. You, you need this school. You can't have that speech go, you know, unheeded and without consequences. Yeah, it's got to pay off. It's got to pay off. But, um... But I can, I, 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 like this one, I kind of get. I just didn't understand why she wouldn't even entertain any of um, Kurt's concerns. I mean, she was definitely, it was, that was an interesting scene because those are, you know, those conversations you have where you're just not ready to be told you're crazy yet. Like, she needs to be so certain in that decision Mm -hmm. in order to not, like she doesn't have time to question it right now. So she needs to be totally certain that she has time to meet Kurt for coffee, but she does not have time to question dropping out of school. And that way that was kind of interesting um, that, that whole setup, but, uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, 
it has to. It, you don't have Whoopi Goldberg on your show saying you're not ready without something happening later in the season where it proves that she is not ready. Um, yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> it, that said, though, I mean, I I found this to be I found it to be an interesting plot line. You know, forcing a character to make a very hard decision mm-hmm. with very real consequences. Um, and it wasn't about which boy to date. And it wasn't. Yeah, totally. It was, I, I do appreciate that this was solely, uh, you know, career thing for her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and I want to see how it pans out. I I would I guess if I had my my perfect world that like Rachel's storyline would be one episode and Kurt's storyline would be another episode because I felt like they I wanted both of them to be longer. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to spend more time with Rachel dealing with dropping out of school and how that would drive a wedge between her and Kurt and Blaine who all kind of went, we're going to Niata together. You know, like yeah. that was a whole thing. Uh, it would, I really wanted to see how that would develop at, for her, but maybe we'll see in the coming weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see in the coming well, weeks. It, well, I mean, I feel like to defend Glee, whoa. Um, <laughs> so they, you're all there. <laughs> I know, right? But we, uh, it would be, I felt like they really felt the need to stay like, they had all these pieces on the board and they felt the, they really felt the need to like show you where everyone was at. And I thought they did a good job with that. Like, like, yeah, we probably could have had two episodes with, with one of each, but in terms of like looking at it from the whole season perspective, I would rather it be like this. And then we, then we deal with it again later. So yeah, and I can I can see and I and I do I love I I was concerned because so when you know Kurt got hurt and then he's in the hospital and Rachel gets that call, I was like, this is going to be the moment of truth for her. This is going yeah. to be, you know, we're going to see here if if Rachel Berry is lost for good and if you know if she's just going to be a complete oh like diva. if she didn't show up right if she yeah. didn't take the call and if she didn't go to the hospital but. She did go. So there's still hope. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, that I mean, would have been interesting to see, like, if you go to your friend's hospital bed, then, you know, we're putting in your understudy and then see what she does. That would be an interesting. Yeah. Well, are, are we, are we going to see Rachel's show get taken down in previews? Well, that's next week's Yeah, next episode, week we'll I find... Guess. I mean, well, <laughs> I don't think... Tomorrow's episode? I, it seems like we're skipping previews because it seems like the next episode is going to be opening night. I don't think... Oh, like, right. normal people don't know what previews are, so I, I would think that they're going to just kick <laughs> yeah, right but, off but with we opening are, night. But we are, at, at minimum now, a smash-informed audience. <laughs> <laughs> So so wow. you're telling me that if I were to take a poll in Minnesota, people would be like, I know what workshopping is and I know what previews are. I think <laughs> it's a post smash. The type world. of person who watches Glee at least made it through season one of Smash. <laughs> no. So I would like I would like to think so. Uh, well, it, it'll be interesting to see because, yeah, it, it, we could definitely see her taken down in previews. We could also see, you know, the she gets hurt like she works too hard in the first week and loses her voice in the second and, and has or to put her what, what study. if they're like what if the reviews are simply like everything's great about funny girl except the funny girl yeah and then they need to replace her like and all of a sudden she's she's set adrift on an island of like oh god i threw away niyata for nothing <laughs> we haven't Ooh. seen john gifford in a while It'd be interesting to see where ian. he's gone ian gifford or 
I, I think it's I, I thought it was John. Could it's, be anyway. It's not John, but it's <laughs> not. It looks like Ian, but it's like Aeon. It, it doesn't. It's Gaelic. It doesn't sound the way it's spelled. <laughs> well, yes, we haven't seen him in a while, so maybe he uh, is unhappy with her, uh, and he's he does not like her performance. Well, let's uh, let's check in on Sam and Mercedes once before we check in on them in the next episode. Uh, in this episode, uh, Mercedes performed an. I'm sorry, Amber Riley performed an original song. This one entitled "Colorblind." So let's take a quick listen to that. Here's a bit of "Colorblind" performed by Amber Riley here on the Gleeful Podcast. When the world is seeing yellow, I only see gray. When everybody sees the rainbow, I'm stuck in the rain. You take a little piece of me every time you leave. I don't think that I'll ever find that silver lining or reason to smile. You know I used to paint such vibrant dreams. Now I'm colorblind, colorblind. When did my heart get so full of a never mind, never mind? Did you Ed, our resident modern music, popular music expert, what are your opinions of Colorblind? There's some like, it's it's a good song for Mercedes Jones and Amber Riley. I think the message is good. I think the lyrics are strong. I think the melody has some great moments. Um, yeah, I mean, you put it up against Cannonball and it wins every time. well that's not Um, hard to do um well i know it's not well yeah it feels very anonymous to me that's my my issue it it does feel a little anonymous obviously yeah and the and the bridge where she starts listing off the colors he took away is really goofy But uh, but yeah, so Sam and Mercedes got back together in this episode, and uh, I guess they got back together in the episode before, and she um, uh, took him to meet her friends, and it did not go well because he was white. I really thought her friends were going to have a problem with how stupid he was. And borderline <laughs> offensive. Yeah. But, uh, but no, no. <laughs> I thought they were going to the be like, we need to talk to you. Back. That dude is an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> have you noticed? It was kind of too much in that lunch. Yeah. Uh, but they ended up having a problem with the fact that he was white. Um, you I know, love Tesla. It's some interesting I love points. Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I She's love named after her. a car, apparently, and not Mercedes oh, Rule. Well. Who knew? <laughs> I just like. Uh, it, I don't know. I just love. I just. I love that they, Ryan Murphy and or someone is in. In injecting these like steampunky elements into the show. <laughs> Why like, would that? <laughs> what is steampunky about that? Um, Tesla. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, you've never, you've never even considered going to TeslaCon. Anyway, <laughs> but what other steampunky element are you thinking of? Because I'm just thinking that they wanted to tell a car joke. I mean, I'm not saying that they didn't do that, but then they're. Ray, I'm not Rachel. I just called her Tina. 
Sinead did <laughs> once show up in a steampunky outfit. Interesting. So, and like when she, when she was over the goth thing before she became like her postmodern Tina that she became, that she went through a little <laughs> bit of a steampunk phase. And this might have been. I'm not sure if this is before or after the vampire thing. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm unclear on that. Okay. Well, so my question to you guys, and Jennifer, we've talked about this a little bit, but I'll let you tell the listeners. Um, how do you feel about Sam Sadie's? Like, what's how? What, how much do you care about Sam Sadie's? You know, I loved the idea of them back in high school. Like, I actually <laughs> felt there was a connection there. But I feel like right now, looking at these two actors. I'm not buying the relationship. I'm not I'm not buying the attraction, the passion or anything. And it's like we keep having these hurdles. It's like, um, you know, like two weeks ago, it's like, oh, you know, but you can't deny this sexual attraction. Yeah, this isn't going to happen. Oh, it happens. And then it's like, well, we got to keep it on the down low. Oh, my friends don't like you. It's not going to happen. And then, you know, as we address in the, the next episode, you know, the whole whole topic of sex, it's just it just, I'm not buying it. Like, I'm not feeling the relationship. You know, I, I, I realized as you were talking that I don't think, I don't remember ever seeing them kiss on screen. Like, it, there's very, they just don't seem like they're in the same room together half the time. There's no. a weird, like, distance. It's, it's like when you're watching a movie where two straight men are playing gay men. And like just before they kiss, there's this moment's hesitation where they're like, ah, and, and, and it's, it, it, there's always this yeah. weird kind of distance between the two of them. Yeah. And a lot of times when they're, you know, supposedly making out, one of them is blocking the other one. So like they could be having a really close, intense conversation for all we know. And then another time they're like, you know, down on the floor and you can't see them because the, you know, they're hidden behind the sofa. So yeah. And it's just like, they're. You know, they're the way they, they, they physically interact with each other. I'm I'm saying even just hugging. I just not you know, I, 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 I you know, apparently they're they're encountering all these hurdles because this is supposed to be a great love. I'm just not buying it. Hmm. I mean I believed it more when they were kinda of crushing on each other at prom. Yeah, there like, was, was really there was sweet. more of an innocence and there was a crush about it. Yeah. But now they're like, I'm in love. And I'm like, I buy crush. I do not buy. Yeah. You, there's no chemistry supporting the in love. Yeah. Ed, how did you feel about Sam Sadie's? And how do you feel about them working as a couple? I agree very much with what you're saying. I, But at the same time, I like a lot of the stuff they're bringing up. Like I like mm-hmm. the idea of Sam and Mercedes together. Yeah, yeah totally. Sam, like I think I think I think it's a great idea for the like like what they're doing with this with the different topics they're discussing. Mm-hmm. I think it's great with that. Like even for both characters, like for both characters, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But in terms of Amber Riley and Court Overstreet, I feel like they could literally care less. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, but Sam and Tesla would make unaccountably beautiful children like that would be uncomfortable (laughs) they would be fantastic and it's like sam doesn't smile with his eyes when he looks at her yeah he's not smiling exactly there's no 
Yeah. There's a, yeah. Well, so I'm thinking about like when I was in high school, I had a, I, I did a play and I had a kissing scene in this play and I had never actually kissed a girl in real life. And so we had this kissing scene in the play and the director pulls me aside and she says, here's the problem. Every time you get close to the girl that you're supposed to be madly in love with, you ask for permission with your eyes. And I I think about that when I watch Sam and Mercedes, they're constantly like, this is cool, right? Like, we're cool. We're still cool. Like, there's yeah. just this kind of constant. They're just not on the same page. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. They're not selling the relationship. And, yeah. But you're right. And I love I love the issues that are coming up. You know, it's like they're. There are two people about the same age, but at different points in their careers. You know, they have the race issue. They have, you know, um, you know, ex- sexual experience issues and um, perhaps IQ issues. But <laughs> it's well, just, it's, it's, it's just, well, I don't want to say just always. I don't know. It's 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 just an interesting poll because mm-hmm. um, it's. I don't. I don't want to say it's unusual, but I want to say it's unusual in media portrayals. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like the most PC way to say right. it, is to have the the uh, like like the fat black woman be mm-hmm. with the white guy, but she's in the power position of the relationship. Yeah, and like wow, that's how it's not. Pe- but it's just unusual in like media. Like it's like mm. it's, that's great. But it's it so just, Glee it's, too. That's why we like the show because they do shit like that. Oh yeah, it was like when with Puck and um, oh everyone. No, no, the girl, <laughs> the girl with the glass who was like there and then gone. Oh yeah, uh, Ashley. Okay, Ashley. So yeah, and in this situation, it's like you know, here's Sam. You know, he's young, he's hot, he's gorgeous. He's starting out as a model. Like he could have anybody, but he's still crushing or you know in love with his would be high school sweetheart. So it's like. That works so well on paper, but they're just not convincing me they, on they the don't, screen. They don't believe it. If yeah, they don't. There's no. There's nothing there to it. Yeah. So, so eventually, like this, this is just a storyline. Like they're just playing with the pieces of Sam and Mercedes until mm. they're like. They, well, they needed him feel, to find an apartment that was outrageously, you know, beyond his ability to obtain <laughs> and afford. So. I, okay. Do you, do you agree with the fact that we have Mercedes here right now is because they're like, we have nothing we can do with Tina anymore? Is that, I, is that the I think that they hate Tina. They don't hate her, but I feel like the writers think that Mercedes, if nothing else, is a better singer and is a bigger presence on screen and that Santana seems to have flip-flopped back and forth so much that I think she's just exhausting at this point. So they just needed a girl and they didn't want to have to bring in a new girl because the 2.0s didn't work. And so let's use one of the girls we already have. Yeah, and even the people that they introduced from Niata weren't really well received. I mean, yeah. it was Brody and Adam's apple. Was that his name? <laughs> people Oh that thought people he was like cute. Brody. People like Brody. And by people I mean Ed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ed, you are people. <laughs> you are people, yes, technically. Uh so But he was an end game. I wanted oh, no, I wanted Dyer to, to win Australian Idol season four. I mean, let's just be, let's be real, okay? Even though whatever. I I'm not getting into the Australian Idol drama. <laughs> no, do Lisa not. Mitchell no. All, all, <laughs> team Lisa Mitchell all the way that season. Let's uh we got a couple voicemails. Uh Sonia left an episode for both 
uh, or left an email for <laughs> Sonia left a voicemail for both episodes, but we'll save it for the next. We'll, we'll play her next episode voicemail uh, because that's the only one we got for that one. So we'll play for that one. So for this episode, we have listener Sarah. Here is listener Sarah. Hey guys, this is Sarah. I just finished watching the latest episode of Glee, and I thought I'd call in my reaction, which I guarantee will probably be totally different than yours because it seems like the last couple times I've called in with my opinion, you guys have thought totally differently. But anyway, um, I had a mixed reaction to this episode. Like, on the one hand, it feels like a totally different show. And I think, like, wow, there was an episode not too long ago where Plain, where Plain was a puppet. Like, <laughs> this is the same show. Um, but on the other hand, it's, you know, like, the execution and, and everything still feels like the somewhat clunky show Glee that we all love or don't love. Um, so there are things that I thought worked. I thought the original plotline worked. I loved the address that she's overextending herself and, like, that was kind of ridiculous. Um, and, you know, I appreciated that. And I always love um, Rachel and Kurt scenes because they are my favorite couple on Glee. Um, I thought, you know, any any episode that Bird is in is just taken to an, to the new to the next level, especially um, when he gets to interact with his son. So that was great. Um, and I really liked that um, Kurt and Blaine are still acting like a couple. Um, I wasn't as offended by that as other people seemed to be, but I, I appreciate that they are actually getting to act like a real couple now. Um, I was kind of mixed on the Kurt plotline. I really liked the intention. I loved the opening number. Um, that's one of my favorite Sondheim songs. Um, I, you know, I loved the, the fight with Rachel and the scene with Bert, as I said, but I felt like the plot was, like, weirdly shoehorned in, and it felt kind of clunky in the execution, and, and, and I love... I love Kurt, but his, like, uh, when he went after the people attacking him, it just, like, that was, like, not good acting. I'm sorry. I love you, Kurt, but no. <laughs> um, and the thing that really did not work for me was Sam Mercedes' plotline, as uh, I think it was Rachel who said, like, I don't ever saw any chemistry between you guys. Like, I, there's no chemistry there, and I don't really care um, as much as I love Sam. <laughs> And as much as I love Sam calling himself white chocolate, like, it just it does not work. And just put Sam back with Blaine. Um, also, <laughs> like, are we in 1955? Did we go back to the time machine? Like, is interracial relationship really an issue that needs to be addressed in 2014? Like, I mean, in this country? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm on the East Coast, so maybe... Sarah got cut off. Uh, I think it was be more like the interracial was more based on her career. I think was the yeah. the the statement that was being made, which I do think is a very real uh, conversation to be having. Oh yeah, uh, and I, you know, and I I think it's interesting because I think in probably more cases it would be the other way around, where say you know a white person's friends would be more concerned about them dating outside of their race. And to to see it this other way was kind of interesting because I mean 
traditionally that is the way it would have been played on TV. Yeah. Well, and and if if Cord was cutting a country album, I think that'd be a very real conversation mm-hmm. to have. But you know, in this way, it was a very real conversation on yeah. on Mercedes side. Yeah, and sadly, just like you know, people not accepting you know homosexual relationships. Unfortunately, I don't think even as enlightened as enlightened as the world seems to be in 2014, I think it's still a big struggle for a lot of people. Well, I mean, people, people like fail to realize that such prejudice and discrimination is literally, I feel like saying a hundred years ago is like giving too much credit. Like, like it's, it's, it was literally a blink of eye. Like when I when I, like when you th- when I think about America as a country, I'm like I always think of America as like the complete fifty states. But it wasn't Hawaii just added like in forty eight. Like and America America hasn't even celebrated its tricentennial. That is how new we are. Mm-hmm. And like people just people like yes, we've evolved past it, or our society and our laws have dictated that we evolved past it, right. but have have are subconscious like moved past it all yeah well i don't even know if it's all subconscious i had a conversation with a relative a few weeks ago that <laughs> well, pretty much dropped my well, jaw to the floor yeah it's still so, yeah. i mean i i try to give people the benefit of the doubt <laughs> yeah they that it's <laughs> totally well that's about that's about all i have for tested anybody have anything else before we jump to, uh, oh, I'm sorry for bash. Yeah, like, we, like, we like we can we cover yeah, tested. Right? <laughs> well, let's uh, we'll take a listen to bash. Actually, before we do that, let's see if this can work. No, it's not gonna work. Um, okay, let's let's jump into tested. Here's a bit of uh, Kevin McHale doing addicted to love on the Galivo podcast. Addicted to Love, for by Kevin McHale on the uh, in in the episode Tested, which we are here to discuss now. Um, this was an interesting one. I've defended Kevin McHale's voice in the past. Uh, I really like him. I think he has a very specific kind of boy band style. Um, it's it's almost dated, but I find it very fun. And and you know, I like Kevin. Um, this was not a good outing for Kevin to me. Like, there's nothing to this song. It's a very repetitive, very simple. There's not a lot of vocal runs in this song. But it works because, you know, Robert Palmer was like a 
blues singer, you know? He was like a rock singer who, like, put all the emotion into every single syllable. And Kevin just kind of lays there, like, that's not really what he does. So this one didn't quite work for me, but I got the sense, Jennifer, that you liked it a little bit more than I did. I didn't dislike it as much as you did. I've always been indifferent to this song. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. It's like, you know... A crime against humanity because I grew up in the 80s. I should love this song. Nah, but nothing wrong with that. I just, yeah, I always thought this song was kind of plotting and redundant. But, um, but it's like, you know, a fun visual and it fit the, it fit the, um, you know, his story. It did do that. It did do that. Ed, uh, so in this episode, we had Artie Abrams, the player. He was hooking up with two girls, but he really wanted Julie. Uh, how did you feel about Artie Abrams in this episode, Ed? I I liked it. I liked it and not only because it was good and clever use of Artie, but it, like, it, it had some great jokes in there. It felt shockingly believable. And it was just, it was like, so it was just like really, I don't know. I liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. It was kind of fun to see Artie, uh, uh, not to, uh, this is going to sound worse than it is, but it was kind of fun to see people think Artie was as cool as Artie thinks he is. (laughs) Like this wasn't an episode about Artie trying to like, you know, behave like a 10. So people thought he was an eight. Like people just thought Artie was cool. He kind of belonged. And I, and I think that's a, a cool thing to discover because when you step away from, you know, where everybody knows you and you, you go to a new place like that. And in this little world, he's the cool guy. And that was so fun to see. And I like that, you know, he they brought up some really, really important things without surprisingly without having to drag it out too much or anything but you know the fact that he admits that he's having sex with multiple partners and he's like oh it's too embarrassed to wear a condom and it's like what you're like i mean it's just it's like okay you're not too embarrassed to you know do those things but you're too embarrassed to do that one thing yeah this was like where we give glee a lot of flack for episodes like blame it on the alcohol where it tries to make a statement and then flubs it toward the end this was an episode that didn't seem to be trying to make a statement and totally ended up making a statement i thought that was pretty cool and actually made two statements one where already within already alone with already storyline alone one making a safe sex statement and then another one making a you know maybe being a player is not going to give bring you what you really want yeah uh two you know, pretty after school special uh, statements, but mm-hmm. rolled into one and neither of them felt shoehorned in. Or or too heavy handed. It was, it felt very, very natural. You know, they said what they needed to say and then they moved on. And, you know, again, addressing the fact that like if you can't even talk about this, you shouldn't be doing it. Like if you can't, <laughs> these are things you need to be doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm I, you know, I thought it was adorable when, uh, girls are constantly slut shamed if this were if this if the roles were reversed and it was a female who you know had been sleeping with these people mm-hmm. there there would have been like this total outrage but because it's a guy it's all like yeah you know that's what guys do so the fact that sam called him on it and slut shamed him i thought was pretty great that's interesting i did not pick up on 
that was specifically why he was saying slut shaming. I am slut. Like he was, he said it. Yeah. I am actively slut shaming you. Yeah. But that's interesting. I, and that I was going to ask you guys. I'll ask you, Ed. Like what? Like it, it was interesting to have kind of a male slut storyline um do you think it would have been different if it was a female character like if that was britney yes do you well, think it would have been treated handled differently i don't, I don't think yeah, it would have been counts. differently there would there'd be like <laughs> i don't really i don't want like maybe blames too strong of a word but it would be not it, it wouldn't it it felt it felt so real and like this is exactly the same discussion that we're having with with the mercedes sam thing it's just like they're bringing these very real situations with unconventional perspectives. Yeah. I I agree. That is, that is the new glee. And, but that's nice. I mean, all of these plot, all these conversations we could have been having in high school, but we're having them. And because the character is a little more grown up, because they all have a little more agency, they, they were able to have them in just better. I don't know. (laughs) Like it's yeah. not that it's we're not circling the same, you know, uh, uh, struggles well, over and over again. I think part of it is too because now we're to perceive, we are to perceive them as adults, and in a way, <laughs> even though they're all makes, nineteen. <laughs> no, but the thing is, it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to, you know, okay, say say Artie was sleeping with two girls when he was a junior in high school. That'd be a lot harder for people to accept. Hmm. And I mean, although, you know, Puck was very open about stuff and Brittany and so forth, it was done in kind of this offhanded way that it almost didn't even feel real. But now that, you know, we're taking a serious look at his relationships and then the, therefore the consequences of his relationships by not being, uh, not practicing safe sex, He's an adult, and these are more adult conversations. And I think that, you know, because they're in college, maybe it's easier for parents of kids to, you know, sit and and watch this. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, it, it is it's just a guess. No, no, no. I mean, that makes sense. And, and, and it's kind of that level of separation. You know, there, mm-hmm. there, there's a little bit of safety. And they're uh, on their own. You know, and, you know, maybe they want to show. Making their own way. Yeah. The, the you know, the, the actual. De- <laughs> wow. <laughs> just going to keep going. No, I just think it's so funny. We're having yeah. such a such a. No, that said, I, I had, you know, just made the statement saying that uh, um, that that they're they're getting to do new plot lines but these are plot lines they could have done in high school but at least they're doing them a new way and then we could talk a little about the virginity conversation going on between sam and mercedes which was straight out of la earlier this season the first half of this season we had this exact same plot line with Charlie, and I kind of th- I forgot about that. <laughs> the, and, and that kind of like that was the one thing in this episode. It was handled well, and I and I do, I'm trying to rectify in my brain why um, the Mercedes Sam conversation about virginity I found to be found to be sweet and interesting, and because you know a little were- silly words with Charlie, it drove me up a wall. I felt like I'd heard the conversation a million times before because they were they were adults having an agreed discussion about what to do next and with charlie they're just kids just playing around in a sandbox like that's essentially the difference Mm. yeah and i guess and 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 that is true i mean to a certain extent uh that was also a conversation that was more of an issue of jake 
trying to pressure Marley into sex, whereas this was more of a conversation Mercedes saying, I've made this decision. This decision has been made. Do you want to be a part of it or not? And also the way that she articulated to Sam not only what she wasn't going to do, but why she wasn't going to do it. And you see her really soul-searching where the thing with Marley was... I mean, I'm sure a lot of it is fear. I mean, as, you know, any 15, 16-year-old girl would be, I'm sure a lot of it was fear and um, uncertainty. And plus, you know, he... Jake, you know, didn't exactly prove himself to be the most <laughs> uh, most faithful person. And, he wasn't you know, Worth fighting for. So, yeah. um, or worth giving something up for. So, it got, you know, dis... Like, to me, that, well, and plus we just never really connected with these people as actual characters. But um, I think that just got dismissed as, you know, like, oh, you know, scared little virgin. And then you have, you have Mercedes, again, well, you know, yeah, a woman in her 20s. It was, it was, it was different. Mm-hmm. It, like, yeah. it was, as you said, it was like players be playing and virgins be virgining. But this was like an active <laughs> decision. Oh, <laughs> Is that what they do? Virgins be virgining? <laughs> <laughs> they look- they like to cook with E B O O. They be an extra virgin. Since we've had an edism, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we get a couple. Name of the episode is going to be E V O O. Well, they did perform "Let's Wait a While." A little bit of Janet Jackson. Uh, my favorite story about this song is that when Janet Jackson uh, later in her, her career did very sexual songs, and somebody said, "What are you doing? You're you you were the one who recorded "Let's Wait a While," and she said, "I'm in my 30s. How long did you want me to wait?" <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, w- I waited a while. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'd done been waiting. Um, <laughs> but let's uh, let's take a listen to Let's Wait a While, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Here is a whole bunch of people on the Cleveland podcast. <laughs> Julie got to sing some backup on this one. I know, right? Much than let's try to talk I think she was just mouthing it. it. This was, uh, th- this was one of the more awkward numbers they have done all season because, okay, you've got four people in this number. You've got Sam and Mercedes. Mercedes is telling Sam, let's wait a while. Artie is telling Julie, let's wait a while. Now, as Mercedes is singing to Sam, he has this look of kind of like, Ugh, I don't want to though. Ugh, I don't know how I feel about this. And as Artie is singing to Julie, the look she's supposed to be having, or what she's ostensibly having, 
is she's looking at him being like, this is really awkward because, you know, I wasn't even thinking about sex and it's our first date. But the look I see on her face is, so do you just sing to everyone like this? Like, is this just what you do? Like, you and your friends, you guys just burst into song randomly on the side of the road. Like, this is a little weird. (laughs) And she's kind of looking at him oddly. And then they do this really awkward choreography where it's like, four people walking in groups of two and then they're all standing at each other in like a square and then they switch places so they're standing in a different organization but it's the same square then at one point they're standing in a line and people are just walking past them and they're kind of like caroling it's the weirdest number like i could not get over how strange this particular choreography was you just you just sold me on it i was i was a little confused (laughs) now and i now know this was the vision (laughs) you love the awkwardness of it no i mean i didn't notice it the first time and then when we watched it again tonight i was like man she's just sort of like she's like rolling her eyes and looking up at the sky like holy crap what did i get myself into but i i i have to take issue i'm sorry i'm sorry i have to take issue with julie because julie uh was very very uh flatly told Artie, you know we've only been out for an hour now and i wasn't even thinking about sex and i beg to differ i think she knew whether or not she was going to sleep with Artie a week ago and th- she was only not thinking about sex because she had already thought it out like that, that that's just, I, I don't know you can call me crazy but i think that's the way people operate honestly <laughs> first date oh i mean no i'm saying the decision had already been made at that point i don't know <laughs> well well that if, if it wasn't specifically about Artie, the decision had been made for her herself in general Oh, interesting. Interesting. Like the policy had been set in place in uh, yeah. younger times. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about, you know, uh, uh, Julie and Artie. Uh, Artie ended up getting diagnosed with chlamydia. And then he confessed to her. I hope, I hope we her. see that one girl again, even though we won't. Which one? The, the, the redhead? The, the redhead or the black hair? Uh, black hair. I don't know why, but yeah. I liked her. I mean, she I totally she totally name checked uh, Cronenberg's Crash, which she gets huge points for that because that movie's amazing. Uh, and no one got the reference, but me apparently. No, <laughs> you they, knew it. You oh, got yeah. it. Okay, good. Well, then they even went to a Cronenberg Film Fest later. No, I mean. Oh, they yeah. did. They went to a Cronenberg Film Fest. That's right. Yeah. Um. I, I, I think it would be funny to bring those girls back in some capacity, Ed. I agree. I think that'd be entertaining. Well, you know what's <laughs> suspicious to me is the hallway for uh, Artie's school looks very similar to the hallway for Niyata. <laughs> it actually, just... I think it's the same hallway that was the dorms where, um, where Finn. Finn and Puck lived. Oh, of course it is. Where they were like, you know, racing down the hallway or no, they were water sliding. Um, Slip and sliding. Slip and sliding. Thank you. My favorite, my favorite thing in this entire episode is when he already grabs the redhead in the hallway and tells her he has chlamydia in the middle of the hallway. And then he's like, oh, crap. Now I got to go tell the other girl. And he goes to the girl with the multicolored hair and he says, hey, can we speak in private? And she goes, sure. And they speak in private in the middle of the hallway. She like looks at her friend, and her friend just pieces out. He just walks they just, away. They just, they, um, he activated his sub vocalization unit. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, maybe we keep this one to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but yes, that made me laugh. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, Mercedes and Sam, Sam Sadies, uh, they they did some praying, they did some chatting, and then they made yeah, the decision. Hey, unfortunately, Mercedes is the song that I say that if people do, I will for, give up all love up for them. You love, I want to know what love is? No, like, if the second, like, that's such a, it's such a knee-jerk reaction for 80s week. Like, oh, it's 80s week. Oh, I want to do that Foreigner song. Like, oh, God, don't, please. Please, Lord. Please, Lord, don't. So I, I've, I've, like, made a cardinal rule. Like, if someone does that song for 80s week, it does not matter how much the Haley Reinhardt, Majesty Rose me, I have forsaken them and their subconscious decision-making abilities. <laughs> okay. So you just have a distaste for that particular song. I do. It's, it's, it's not so much that I don't like, because I actually like the song, ironically <laughs> enough. It just, I just don't like, I just feel like they do, they're putting no effort into 80s week. If they, if they're like, oh, it's 80s week. And that, that like, and that lack of effort, Shows me that I shouldn't be supporting you. All right. Did Haley Re- Haley Reinhardt actually did that song? No, no, no. But if she did, oh, it did okay. not matter how much I loved her. <laughs> she would be kicked to the curb. Like that's how much. Like, like this. I like. I had some like. Like I'm willing to forsake some pretty big stakes if you if you play that gar- that card against me. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was I totally forgot it was a foreigner song when we were watching it. I was like, who is this? It's got to be one of the really lousy guys that did like two songs on soundtracks. Like there was there were guys in the '80s. The only times you ever saw them was like on the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, and then you'd see them pop up again on the like it's a Saint Elmo's Fire soundtrack. Like John Parr, John Parr has two songs, Saint Elmo's Fire and the song at the end of Running Man. He may have recorded other music, but no one knows what it is. Like that that was like a genre, including him. Like if you were to meet John Parr on the street and be like, hey man, did you ever record an album? He'd be like, I did that song at Saint Elmo's Fire, Man in Motion, could be your man in motion. Underneath the blazes. It's actually a really good song. Uh, So anyway... (laughs) foreigner uh yeah i want to know what love is uh, I, I i might i might be somewhat forgiving if the theme is foreigner but then i start questioning the judgment of the people picking themes the producers so <laughs> so and last but not least we have uh the clean plot in this episode and this is probably the one that got the most talk on the interwebs because they are such a uh, uh holy Thing on the interwebs uh, and uh, clean had a pretty big fight uh, apparently Kurt has been getting in shape recently particularly after his bashing uh, and he has been um, he, he has been getting a little notoriety and a little popularity and clean or I'm sorry and Blaine was feeling a little left out uh, he didn't look left out to me he looked like a man with cronuts which really is that's happiness right there. Like that's like, <laughs> like a cat what else in the you want sink. In this world. I, I I'm done. Like I've never even had one because they don't have them in California. What? Um, they, they, have, they, have, they have vending machines with cupcakes in California. There's like one I place do. in downtown Los Angeles that serves cronuts, but I, they're I, hard I, to find. I should make them this weekend. You know who makes yeah, good cronuts is Tiffany from Nimbus Magnifica podcast. <laughs> really? <laughs> All right. For the record, I knew I For liked her. <laughs> 
but yeah, this was this was a big interesting plot line uh, for for Clay in this episode, particularly Blaine confessing. You know, I kind of liked it better when. I was in the forefront here. Yeah, when he, uh, he didn't you know, quite, he, he didn't was, come right so out. Real, it, it was so real. It was so character motivated, and it was like, it's, it's the issues that we were promised with the like, like the like uh, hesitant uh, marriage proposal from Kurt's part. Like this was the promise we were made, and they delivered. But yeah, I thought it was really, I thought it was really well done. I totally agree. Jennifer? Yeah, I thought it was good because on the surface it seemed like just a vanity thing. You know, I mean, he obviously was, you know, professing his love for all of the new foods in New York and, and then showing the signs of it and then feeling insecure physically. But then you realize, you know, he, he reveals that it was more than that, that you know, he liked being the protector. He liked being, you know, the the one who was. I mean, yeah, I guess getting them getting more attention and, um, you know, taking care of the situation. So, I mean, I thought, and I thought Kurt was wonderful to him. You know, he, he never once, you know, other than he just. You know, he he reacted badly, but he couldn't understand why, you know, Blaine was going to those websites Um, and it it hurt him. He's like, we can't even be intimate, but you can, you know, be intimate with these guys on the Internet. And um, so, yeah, so I thought it was really, really interesting because, I mean, these are very like those are those are issues that, you know, married couples have. And it's not, you know, it's these aren't these aren't the fights and insecurities of you know, high school or even college kids. This is this is something bigger and deeper, and and it is interesting to see that. And then how you know he's like we we can't be you know competing for being the you know dominant one, you know. So we'll we'll do this together. And I thought that was really sweet. It was. It was. It, Kurt did have a really nice line of, uh, you know, maybe we're always going to be complete competing because we're two men, but I'd rather be running alongside you than running, uh, or than running you know, against running you, against yeah. you. Now, yeah. uh, the 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 struggle I have with this whole with this one, I think it was just because after last week, there's a lot of Saint Kurt running around in these two episodes. He's a little too perfect at the moment. Uh, which I found a touch distracting, and I know I'll catch crap for it on the interwebs for saying that, but, you know, he was a little too perfect on this one. Honestly, I mean, I think we ran into issues, what was it, season two, you know, with St. Kurt, and in the problem back then was he wasn't always perfect, but yet he was canonized. Yeah, he he wasn't of, always perfect, but the show had decided whatever that, he did was perfect. Right. And, <laughs> well, at least this is motivated. Right. Like, this is like... True. At least, True. at least he's worthy of the praise at exactly. the moment. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he he's he's very mature in his thoughts and his emotions and, um, you know, and his his devotion and, and love for Blaine. So, I yeah. in, in the ironic twist, Kurt is too good for Blaine. Yeah, the <laughs> at the moment, certainly. <laughs> um, You're just going to question this to the end, right? Till they're at the oh altar. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um. After they take it off the air and 50 years after. <laughs> You're going to take it all the way to the end. Uh, here is listener Sonia who weighed in on Tested. Uh, here she goes. 
Hey, it's Sonia, and I have a lot to say, so this might be too long to even get played, but I'm going to try anyway. Okay, uh, this episode was the cyanide cherry on the unwanted frozen hot chocolate that is the Clayne relationship. Blaine sexually assaulted Kurt when he was drunk, told Kurt he wasn't sexy, cheated on him, and so it was Kurt's fault, and we learned in Papa Master, he still blames Kurt for his infidelity. He sees Kurt as confident, popular, an object of sexual desire, and it doesn't fill him with a feeling of pride, a smugness of, I get to tap that and you don't suck us. Instead, he feels jealous. He doesn't like it. He liked Kurt when he was broken and needed Blaine to take care of him. Blaine is the new Terry Schuster. <laughs> if this abusive relationship isn't headed for a meltdown and they are still endgame, I'm done. I quit. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. On a happier note, Dan. And oh. she just got cut off. <laughs> what happened? Everybody... I don't know. Her voicemail got no, cut I off. No, I can see the trans. Weird. On a happier note. Well, so it would have been interesting to get you a happier note. Yeah. Um, Sonia, I adore you. Uh, decaf, maybe? Um, no, I'm teasing. Uh, Sonia's always been very passionate. Uh, and, and Sonia also emailed me with a very interesting observation of uh, uh, the the combat class that they're attending mm-hmm. like if kurt had taken a shot to the head and that he already had a fractured skull probably brain aneurysm and death if he got it in the head that's that's, Wait, that's, real why, crap. that's why i forgot about the gay bashing storyline because it had so little consequence he has no visible injury from it anymore that split lip cleared I don't know what he used, <laughs> what foundation. <laughs> well, is it, like, is it, isn't time jumping? Like, aren't we like at the end of this season, they will have completed a full year at New York. Like that's how, that's yeah, how it, it seems like that. It, I wouldn't be surprised. So, so, so we spent a year and a half discussing a year and now we're spending a half a year discussing a year. Like, okay, <laughs> but welcome to Glee. So we back play to by our own rules. Back to Sonia's voicemail though, real quick. Do you guys think that this is an abusive relationship? Jennifer, is Clayne an abusive relationship? You know, I, I think looking at those isolated situations, maybe, but I, I don't feel like it is. I mean, I feel like everything, especially in this episode, is has to do with insecurities. It's kind of like, you know, in a relationship when... You know, say the husband loses his job and now the wife is making the money. It's like when there's an imbalance of power or a shifting of power, it creates a lot of tension and draws up, digs up insecurity. So um, as far as the other stuff goes, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to think of it because it's never struck me as that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely it. it, it Sonia has a, a, a certain opinion yeah. about Klein, and uh, and that's definitely the hardest, harshest interpretation you can take of all of those events. Because another interpretation, when I listen to like when I go through what actually has happened in their relationship up to this point, it just feels like a real relationship. Like real relationships are dirty and hard, and and they're a pain in the ass a lot of the time. But the victories are amazing, and 
those are the things you do for the people you love. And you work through these types of things. I mean, nothing in this particular episode to me felt abusive at all. It felt like that's what you do. You know, that's what it's like to be in a relationship with a person for a very long time. It's not all sunshine and roses the entire time. And there isn't a, the, the balance shifts occasionally. You know, you get there, you, you, enter into a situation because you know a certain aspect in this case Blaine kind of feeling being able to be protective and being able to be kind of uh the alpha uh is what drew him into the situation and now they will grow past that and that's what you do I mean you grow over time I mean your and my relationship is certainly not today what it was 10 years ago no not even close and and, but that's what you do for yeah. someone that you love, and that's how things work long term. They evolve and they change. Yeah. The balance shifts back and forth constantly. Yeah. And but as long as you're committed to that balance and change, and to continually finding what the middle is, right. you, you always end up. You know that that's just part of the dance that is. You know, yeah. being together for a long period of time. In uh, that way, I find it kind of interesting. I mean, there's a lot, not a lot of relationships on TV that are given the amount of time like just you know day to day that Clayne has gotten mm-hmm. it's the way Marshall and Lily were such a great relationship because there were times when Marshall was in charge and there were times that Lily was in charge mm-hmm. and uh, you know and, and that's what made them so unique and that there is a comfort part of you know people can have different opinions about this but to me part of marriage is the comfort that you're not gonna that giving up is really hard that like ending this is really hard and so because of that you sleep on it like you that the, the, you have problems but there is a security in knowing that you have the time to work out those problems because you're not going anywhere and as long as you're willing to work out those problems and you're eager to work them out, you will because you have the time because you're not going anywhere. And something like Marshall and Lily, the fact that they went all those years and they had their ups and they had their downs, but there was a comfort in knowing as a viewer that they weren't going to break up. And that's why I don't think that Clayne will break up. I think that Clayne will be continued throughout this show because... I want to see them have the time to work out these issues. I want to see them have the time for the balance of power to shift and go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, revenge where uh, who is Emily banging this week? I'm not 100% sure well. because one fight and she's off onto another onto yeah. another gentleman. You know, that's that's not like so I like the fact that that uh, Clayne have issues yeah. and get to work through those. And issues. I like that they're just human issues they're relationship issues they're not gay issues they're not hetero issues they're just issues and you know it's like they're yeah with with the with the balance always shifting just knowing that you have somebody who can be strong for you when you can't be strong for yourself yeah and then that you can be strong for when they can't be strong is that, and, and a wonderful thing. Exactly. That's that's another thing that I actually liked about this episode and liked about the drama that Clay was going through is like you and I always have that joke we tell, but it's not a joke. <laughs> but we tell it as a joke because you have to. Is that only one of us can be or what is it like? One of us can be broken this. Yeah, way. only one of us can be broken at a time yeah. <laughs> because it's like no, you know, it's my night to be broken. And but it is hard, like because right now Blaine is 
is dealing with the fact that he's the broken one. And Kurt's reassuring him. You and, know? And, and saying but when they met, Kurt, Kurt was the broken one. And that's, you know, they had to get through it. You know, that's just how you... <laughs> that's what you have to do. Um, but that's all I have to say on that. Ed, any final thoughts on Clean? Um, well, I've, I'm just excited. I know this sounds to cleaners. They're probably like, oh, fantastic Wait, Ed? for you, Ed. Yeah, any vague threat to their cleanism, cleaners don't like that. I, they, I, just, I just, I like it. It's like, it's, it's just, I had such issues with the clean relationship. It's like, this isn't real. And now we're finally like, we finally see the cracks. Like, like now, and it, and they're believable cracks, mm-hmm. which is, makes it even better. Like, they're believable with where the characters were leading up to this point and their relationship leading up to this point. So the probability that Blaine will sing a piano ballad of Dark Horse to win Kurt back is ridiculously <laughs> high. But it it I mean I'm I'm well I'm glad that we're going through this journey. I'm glad we're going through the steps. I do not want this to be a whole like Ross Rachel scenario. I would like it to be resolved and I don't I even want them to be happy. I just I'm glad that we're finally getting, we're pushing through the pain so we can enjoy, <laughs> so we so we can enjoy the good times. Because I feel like we were like Clayne, we were just enjoying the good times without the pain, and it, that wasn't satisfactory to me. Yeah, it, it, on TV as and on TV as in life, you need to have the bad times to enjoy the good times. It's just the way things are. They can't, good if you just hand me good boring. times. If you just hand me good times, I assume you're gonna. That it's going to fall apart dramatically in front of my face, and I—I sh- I mean, Allison, it's your own fault. You were kicked out of Big Brother Canada, BT Dubs. Anyways, <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, uh, let's. Um, on that note, let's. Uh, we, we will go out on Love Is a Battlefield here, um, by of course Pat Benatar, obviously. Uh, and we'll take a listen to that. We want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we did not broadcast live, but we'll try to get back to a live one next week uh, so we can do that. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to weigh in on anything we said tonight, you can email us at gleefulpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at gleefulpodcast. I'm at Josh Brunel. She's at Jane B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. And yes, I do pause so I pronounce it correctly. Uh, and you can find us on the Facebooks. Just search for Gleeful Podcast and you can talk to the other listeners there. Um, I think that's it. Jennifer, anything else? Ed, Ed has something. I, would, I want to ask you to, for since you say we have themes going on, what theme, what like undercover theme do you want coming up? Oh, like the unspoken themes. Yes, unspoken mm. music themes. Well, I, and I was saying to, to Josh, the only reason they're unspoken is because you really can't have Will jumping in and writing a word on a chalkboard and then running away <laughs> to tell us what the true. theme is. That is true. I would like I, I would like a hip-hop week. With this particular group of people, that would be really entertaining. Apparently I'm alone. <laughs> no, I mean, I would, it would be interesting. I don't know how, what songs they would do, but I'm sure there's something to do. I, I would like a dance dance rock week like in excess and Franz Ferdinand and uh, I, wow I never would have <laughs> put either of those in dance rock but okay they're, they're both great dance rock bands I mean I mean they're both 
rock, and I guess one could dance. It just, it was, <laughs> it's just not what I would call them. But that doesn't mean you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I was just curious. I, I, I have like crazy ideas, so it's whatever. That's it's, why we love you. Yeah. What are your crazy ideas? I, I would, I like. I feel like a really strong 90s alternative week is like it's just begging to happen Ugh, i don't want to hear it's, that at all it's just begging to happen <laughs> don't don't act like it won't and like i don't know it's i'm not saying it won't happen i'm just saying like as soon as glee does candle box we all need to go home <laughs> well, well i mean i i i see i wasn't like per it isn't perforated through my like I don't, I'm not as well versed as I probably should be. I do know some, but you know, like, <laughs> Bo Bice can only do one song for '90s Week on season four of American Idol. Like he can't do, uh, he can't do a hundred songs. So. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like what? Like I don't know. I would be excited for anything. I'd be excited. I, well, not any. That's not true. That's not true. I would like <laughs> a top forty week, but that's just because. Even though every week is top forty week is your argu- I know that's your argument, but it, it doesn't feel that way lately. <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't say that at all. You're right. Lately, it has not been very top forty. It's been a while since they had a truly top forty song. I I don't know. Like there's there's a part of me that like wants them just like just to go for it and do like just do like something like like a really current band, even if it's Mumford and Sons. Just like just do it. Just just do <laughs> like dedicate a week to it. I know that's I know it's a bit like unnecessary to do it and like obviously they have enough popularity but i feel like it, we'd get some deep cuts that you wouldn't expect if you're if you're like putting yourself in a tiny box well i look forward to it i think the show like, like after the last couple weeks <laughs> no after the last couple weeks i think that would be good uh well for the gleeful podcast with josh and ed i'm josh i'm jen i'm ed and yeah <laughs> Good Ned deserves a win. Ned deserves a win, and Gina deserves a win for their appropriate competitions. And I mean, I know people. I know there's a there's a movement for Cassandra. Cassandra, <laughs> it's all like I mean, you, we, um, the Voice America needs a successful winner, and that answer is right in front of you. It's Christina Grimey. Like I understand, we tried Cassidy Pope, it didn't work. But you know what? Christina Grimey might, okay? Take your chances and go for it. Also, Team Spencer. <laughs> I just like straddle like four shows. <laughs> <laughs>